This is Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, which is part of the Replicate Podcast Network. It is a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. Here is your host, Chris Swain. Today on the podcast, we continue talking about the Long Haul Revival and just really chronicling what has happened here and what is continuing to happen. And it's been pretty amazing as we've worked through this and talk through this just to remember these times that were just a few weeks ago and yet <laughs> i've already forgotten some of it so yes. it's been very refreshing to my soul to continue to hear and think about and dwell on the goodness of god and his mercy to pour out all of these amazing things uh while i get the privilege of, of serving here at long hollow and one of the things that we want to talk about today is uh really the, the title of this podcast should be intriguing pouring water on the fire <laughs> and and we we have been saying throughout the uh the this season and and talking through the revival here how it, it's a lot like elijah uh pu- putting more water on the wood before he calls down the fire and before god does what god and only god can do and one of the things that we we talked about a little bit is in the in the the, the early days of what god was doing in the service and with the baptisms and hundreds of people responding and and we're just being broken and worship is different and being in the room and, and the repentance and and we then we cancel services immediately in person because of, of what was going on in our community with COVID. And and I just remember thinking in those first few days, the second guessing. Hmm. We just baptized ninety nine people and then we told them they can't come back to a physical gathering. For a month. Pouring water on the fire. Uh, the next week, we knew you needed to take a break. It was Christmas holiday. We were like, Pastor, you got to be with your family. You got to take some time off. And you're thinking to yourself, how can I miss while the fire is burning? So we poured a little more water on the fire. So we, 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 well, we, I even said to you guys, yeah, how can you sleep when God's <laughs> reviving a church? I mean, the people have come awake. Right. I said, I've prayed yeah. 17 years of my ministry yeah. for yeah. this season. I'm not going to sleep, guys. And they said, and this was a great line from one of my staff members. He said, Robbie, God obviously has started a fire, and the fire's burning. Mm. But if you stay too close to the fire for too long, you'll get burnt. Mm. Well, and and, and the, the point, I think, was... And, and I think every leader feels the, the, the weight of this struggle. How much of this is going to happen if I'm not in the middle of it, directing it, ensuring it's continuing, driving home the message and the vision? And, and, and two, when this is going on, just to reflect on your heart and I think everyone on, on our staff, really, and even the people that attend, we don't want it to stop. We don't want a Christmas uh, vacation to inhibit what's going to happen, or we don't want a schedule for a Sunday to to inhibit what's going to happen. And then we think of how ridiculous this is. This is God of the universe who can do anything he wants. Is a schedule going to impact his ability to move? Mm, yes, exactly. And I would say, just, just, a, just a note of something I'm learning just looking in hindsight is, the job of the pastor of a church and I'm learning this, obviously, when God revives a church, you know, it says when Jesus comes, he's going to send the Holy Spirit and fire, mm. the tongues of fire in Acts chapter two. It's a, it's a visible representation or manifestation. Now, we're not seeing a visible fire here. Don't, don't, don't hear what we're not saying. But our people have been set on fire. Yes. And they're passionate. As you said, worship is different. People are worshiping like never before. They're mm-hmm. taking notes. They're engaged. They're sharing their faith. They're inviting their friends. 
Leonard Ravenhill said this quote, and I've used it throughout this entire season. You don't have to advertise a fire. It advertises itself. Mm. And I told our people at Long Hollow from the beginning, ask God to set you on fire for him. And your neighbors and your coworkers and your family will come out to see you burn. I mean, I hate to say it like that, but but think about a fire. That's if right. when a fire uh, in the neighborhood happens, you, yeah. you ever seen a fire? Somebody's home, God yeah. forbid, catches on fire. It doesn't matter what time of the night it is. Mm. It doesn't matter the weather. It doesn't matter the temperature. Yeah, you're coming out to watch the fire burn. Sure. And I believe the same thing happens with the people of God. Mm -hmm. We don't need better programs. We don't need uh, more conferences. Mm -hmm. We don't need more books. We don't need more theology. Right. What we need is a people who are spirit-filled and passionate about Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's what turned the world upside down early on. And so yeah. the goal of the pastor, just to finish what I started, the goal of the pastor is to manage the fire. Now, what do I mean? If you've ever started, and I've learned more about fires in the last few years sitting with you guys at night just kind of hanging out by the fire if you've ever lit in a fire with wood before you know you have to get the fire started it's very hard to start a fire yeah thank, i can't do it it's very hard thank god for lighter fluid <laughs> exactly starter yeah. logs right. and propane tanks and i know what you're saying that's a little extreme blowtorch yeah that's what some we have some people may have a blow we do <laughs> some people as in me may have a blowtorch <laughs> but i'm just going to make sure the fire starts but once you get the fire going the fire has to be stoked. The fire has to be tended to. The fire has to be contained. All these yeah. metaphors help us in a time of a move of God. So it's the job of the pastor. And here's the thing about a fire I've learned. The fire can't burn mm -hmm. as a five alarm, alarm fire all the time. I mean, you can't have flames that are you know way high up for a long period of time. Why? Because it'll cause more damage than good. Mm -hmm. And so there's times when the flames need to be high. But then there's times when you, when you need to let the flames come down. Yeah. There's times when you need to add more wood to the fire. Mm -hmm. But here's a key thing I've learned. There's also times when you let, need to let the fire wane. Mm. And that's okay. Sometimes the fire needs to come down to, to just some burning coals for a season. Yeah. And then you stoke the fire again. One of the key things about fire is this. Our job is never to produce a fire. Our job is to create an environment where God sets us on fire, mm -hmm. and then we follow his leading in that. So yeah. just want to encourage pastors for that. You you can't create a fire. Yeah. <laughs> we can't make our people. I would argue that many pastors try. Yeah. And, I mean, my, and I point the finger at myself. I point at us. We want to see it happen so bad. We will work very hard to manufacture a fire. And I've done it throughout my ministry. I think most uh, staff members have at times, not, maybe not even attempting to. Like in my mind, I'm not thinking I'm going to manufacture this and, and, and mm. it's going to be different from what God's going to do. It's just there's a very fine line between managing a fire and making a fire. Yes. And, and like you said, it's God who, who is going to make the fire. Yes. It, and it should be us as leaders who are managing that. Yeah, and I will say I learned this from a friend of mine named Michael Catt. Uh, Michael Catt has become a good friend. I've known Michael for years, but more recently, a, a good friend, a mentor to me, just trying to follow the leading of the Lord, listening to God and uh, try not to get in the way. That's really what we're trying to do. And I want you to hear this as we're talking about things we're doing. Mm -hmm. We're going to baptize people. We're going to the hot tub to baptize. We're opening the church up. I, I, want, I want to get this clear. We're not doing 
any of this in our own power. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to think, man, if I could trace this back to just the five or six things you guys did leading up to this. Listen, there are pastors and leaders who are praying their entire ministries Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for a fresh move of God and never see anything like this because you have to realize it is all based on the sovereignty of God. Mm -hmm. God is sovereign in sending his Holy Spirit in a manifest presence among his people. Okay, so we just need to clear that up. But here's the thing I want you to see, another thing. Not only does the pastor have to manage the fire, Mm -hmm. the second thing is the pastor has to pray for discernment when the fire is going. Mm -hmm. Now, what do I mean? And here's an interesting thing I want you to think about. A prophet can tell you a skunk is somewhere. He can, a prophet can say there's a skunk. Smell a skunk. Yeah. But (laughs) discernment from the Lord can tell you what log he's under and what woodpile he's in. So we don't just need to be prophetic, men uh, and women at this time. We don't need to just say, man, I I just need to preach the word and I just need to be prophetic and I want to, you know, say things uh, and tell things, foretell things. That's not what we need in a time of revival. We also need discernment. Mm -hmm. And so as the pastor leader, and this is discernment that comes from the Holy Spirit, obviously. Uh, I've learned more about the Holy Spirit since the beginning of this move of God over the past few months than I have over the past 17 years of my ministry. Mm -hmm. I I, I, I say that uh, ashamedly. Yeah. But the third person of the Trinity who's been here for 2,000 years, we know less about than Jesus, who's who was here for only thirty three years, hmm. okay, and I'm not, and obviously we have a Bible, and we have the book, and we have history. I get that, but you would think that the Spirit, whose ministry, his ministry is conviction of sin. Mm-hmm. The Bible we have is a result of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, the salvation we have is a result of the Holy Spirit. The illumination of Scripture is the result of the Holy Spirit. So the question is, discernment is the result yeah. of asking for the Spirit and depending upon Him. And so I just want to leave that to with us before we go to a break. But what you need to do is pray for discernment. Why? Mm-hmm. Because you're going to have people come in with the best ideas of what they think should happen in the midst mm-hmm. of this move of God. Mm-hmm. Pastor, I think we need to start this. Pastor, why don't we do this? We, I think we need to go here. I think we need to go there. And so I just want you to be aware of that. You need God to give you discernment to test every, John says, spirit to determine if it's from God or it's not. As you lead your disciple-making movement, the Replicate Network provides ongoing practical training and a community of like-minded church leaders to help you and your church thrive. Each month, you'll get frameworks, a Q&A time with Robbie Gallaty, and access to our online forums and groups. We will provide you with prayer and personal support, practical resources, discounts, and benefits as you seek to make disciples who make disciple-makers. Check out the Replicate Network today at replicatenetwork.com. And we're back. We're talking about pouring water on the fire. And and as we've led up to this point, we've talked a little bit about the Holy Spirit. We've talked about discernment. And really, pouring water on the fire, I believe, is a reflection of the discernment you had, Pastor, in that moment when, when we were saying, take a break. You don't need to preach next Sunday. I mean, think about it. Maybe one of the biggest days we've ever had in the history of our church in, in God moving, and you're going to go on vacation the following week. Yeah, we're not going to meet in person for a month. 
there we, we were looking for every opportunity to do the opposite of what would feel natural to a, a, a type a leader in this moment and yet uh, i want you to just continue walking us through uh the following sunday so when we left off talking about this revival last time we talked about wednesday and how you were able to baptize a woman who was in hospice in her literally her last day of her life and what a powerful testimony that was mm. that God used to reach other people and 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 they respond even on a family member of hers responding to her obedience but how we moved forward from that and what the next few days looked like and what the next week looked like yeah, and so here we are, Christmas. I'm, I'm with family at Christmas, and obviously our church family is bigger than just those who are uh, in the building. You know, at this time we have you know people from all over the country, thousands of people who join us from all over the country, and so they have seen with their own eyes what God just did in three days. And I just think it was cool that we were able to go into Christmas. And one of the things you do when you gather with your family is what? What do you do when you're with your family? Eat. Eat oh, and sorry. talk. You know, you talk, eat. Talk, no, you eat. eat. You eat first and then talk. And then talk. <laughs> and it's interesting because I, I was just thinking, isn't it cool, Lord, in the midst of all this negativity, in the midst of all this discouragement, we had the election uh, debacle happening. We had uh, we had all these things happen, COVID yep. going on. Yep. We had a lot of negativity. And I was just thanking the Lord that we have some glimmer of hope that the people of Long Hollow got mm-hmm. to share with their families. Let me tell you what just happened at our church. And so we were going into that Sunday. At this point, we have seen 186 people baptized, okay? And what we found out was we went into Christmas 184, but two people were baptized by a Long Hollow church member who went home, got convicted about this, and realized his parents, his father, whom of which was on his deathbed, very similar to the lady I was baptizing the week before or the uh, two days before. And he felt convicted, asked his parents, would you give me the privilege to baptize both of you at the home? Hmm. He took pictures, baptized his parents, posted them online. You remember this? (laughs) And we thought, what is happening now (laughs) where children are going home, feeling convicted, getting bold, to share their faith and, and call their parents to be baptized, and God is meeting with them. And it was so cool to see that. And so we went into Sunday, and here's the deal. I'm not preaching. Uh, we don't have service in person. We have online, uh, mostly uh, uh, online attendance. And But what I did was I said, if you want to be baptized, I said this at the beginning of the service, and I, I, I sent an email out that week. I said, if you want to be baptized, you can drive to the campus there's not going to be anyone here, but you can drive to the campus and after the sermon, I'll go over to the baptistry and I'll baptize you. Mm. Never knowing who would come. But again, remember, we are putting it out there expecting the Lord to move. Here's an interesting insight I want to give you here. Expectate, I'm sorry, encounter is met with expectation. Mm. Okay, let me say that again. Encounter is met with expectation, meaning many times I think the reason God is not moving in your life or the life of your church is because you don't actually expect him to move. Hmm. How many times have we entered a service and not prayed and welcomed the presence of the Holy Spirit of God? How many times have we prepared a lesson 
and not called upon the counsel of the Holy Spirit. His number one job, Chris, let me remind you, is comforter and counselor. Hmm. So let me ask you a probing question. When was the last time you consulted the Holy Spirit about something, right? So here we are going in. We are expecting God to move, right? We're anticipating God to move. Not a prideful expectation, but a childlike expectation, like the Father is going to do something today. And would you believe 27 people, Chris, show up (laughs) with a guest speaker to be baptized, yeah. So if you go back and look at that service. Online the, only service. Online only, yeah. December 27th, 2020. We round the year out with 127 people baptized. And we finished the year right there um, with uh, just a move of God that puts us into the, I think we're over the 220 range. I think we just passed the 200 yeah. range of baptisms. Uh, what's my math on that? One, 186 plus 17. Uh, we're right over the two. We're right Our over the statistician two. Robert Hudson. Robert Hudson. Obviously, right now. Uh, <laughs> we can sense the Lord's presence. We cannot do mathematics, so apparently. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> 203. So we passed the 200 mark right. at the end of the year. So at this point, we have seen 203 people baptized in 10 days. Hmm. Now, here's what I want to leave us with, and I want us to think about this. At this point, we could think God's done. Yeah, great way to finish the year, and we would have been completely satisfied and happy about that. I mean, again, we we were. I remember being in that moment, thinking, "This is incredible! Praise God! This is awesome!" But I don't know that at that point, even I was thinking of the future of what would continue to happen. Yeah, or even expecting what was going to continue to happen. And we believe. I, I think this is what started to happen at Long Hollow because I know it happened in my heart. Chris, you can comment. It's like we finished the year and. For the first time in a while, we started to believe that God could actually mm. move again. Yeah. I think- and I'm not talking about move as in your heart's warmed and you sing a song sure. and you shed a tear. I'm talking about, no, no, we believed. Yes. We started to believe that God could work. And we yeah. had believing faith. There's a lot of Christians who have unbelieving faith. Mm. <laughs> they believe in their head, but they don't actually believe in their life. Well, I, and I think one of the things that happened is, you know, we pray every week before the service, pray specifically for you. We pray for the service. We pray for the people, the response. I think we had been praying. We had been believing. And I think we believe sincerely. But I think it's that that apathy that just under the surface of our belief, because we do it every week, year after year, year after year in ministry. And, and, and so I don't think we had a mindset that God wasn't going to work. I just don't think we had a big expectation for how big God could work. Yeah. And so when something like this happened, it blew our minds. And, and again, we keep saying to ourselves, why would this blow our mind? We know who, we know who God is. We, we've shown himself to us. We've seen his work. But when something like this happens in your midst, it's just so incredible beyond the norm. And I think what you're pointing out here is we're so used to the norm, we become okay with the norm, Yeah, and we're not okay with it anymore. Yeah, the, the supernatural um, becomes extra, extraordinary, mm-hmm. and the natural becomes routine for us, and we just settle for it. I think that's what yes. happened. We settle for mediocrity. We settle for... Um, just the normal routine of life. And so I think that's what happened. I think our worship pastor, Andy Williams, said it best. After this, I think we met on that Sunday night. We just kind of hung out by the fire. And Andy said to me, or hung out on my porch, we were hanging out, and he said, Robbie, I've always believed 
that God was real. Uh, in my head, I've always believed that. I've never doubted that. He said, but now after these 10 days, I believe it because I've seen him move. Mm. I've seen, I, I, I believe he's real because I've experienced him. And I think a lot of us, many, many of you, you listening, you have an intellectual faith. You know the Lord. You have an intellectual believing. You, you know the facts of the word of God, which is all important. I'm not saying you don't need that. We need that. Yeah. But there comes a time when you have to or should encounter the living God. Mm. He is a living God for a reason. And so I would say to you, if you've never encountered God like this, I would begin to pray. Granted, God's sovereign in revival. God's sovereign in, 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 in awakening. But there are certain things we can do, Chris, to use our example before, to stack the wood of our own life mm. to receive the fire. Mm. See, many of you don't even have a, a wood stack. Yeah. You don't even have a wood pile, much less a wood stack. But I would say the way you stack the wood is always the same. Mm. It's through genuine humility. We'll talk about this in the days ahead. Genuine humility. See, what you got to realize is this. Until you come to the end of yourself, you're never going to experience God. Mm. But the cool thing about coming to the end of yourself is that is the beginning of God. Mm. And some of you, and I've been here before, believe me, are filled with arrogance. You're filled with pride. You're filled with jealousy, self-sufficiency, bitterness, mm toward another person. And here's what's crazy about the Lord. The year leading up to this move of God, if you would have asked me, Chris, last year or a year or two, man, do you think you're prideful? Do you think you're arrogant? I would have said, no, I'm, I don't think so. I mean, I don't think I'm overtly arrogant. I mean, maybe probably some things here and there. But when I began to sit with the Lord mm -hmm. and I allowed the Holy Spirit to put his finger on the places of my heart, the, the inner crevices, the recesses of my soul, and point out ways that I was ultra prideful, jealous, arrogant. It was a painful process, but it was the beginning, unbeknownst to me, to the working of God. The second thing is this, expectant, travailing prayer. So many people will pray and give up on God. They'll say, man, I prayed about that. And just when God's about to send the answer, we give up. The perfect passage is Daniel 10. Right. Daniel is praying fasting, seeking the Lord, waiting for a touch from God. Mm -hmm. And it says that after day 24 of a 21-day fast, mm -hmm. the angel finally shows up and says, I would have been here earlier, but the yeah. prince of Persia <laughs> in the spiritual world held me up. It's a, it's a three-day difference. And yeah, I wonder, that an interesting yeah. number? yes, he, three more days after the fast. Right. So how many people would have fasted 21 days yes. and prayed to begin with? But then three days later he comes and I, and it just hit me when I preached this passage recently, how many of us would have missed a touch of God? And the cool thing about Daniel is guess how old he is when he gets this touch of God. He's 80. He's 80. <laughs> So here's a man who's as passionate about Christ, or passionate about God, he, he doesn't know, but the Messiah, passionate about God at 80 and wants a fresh touch from God at the end of his life as much as he does at the beginning of his life. So here's my point as we close. If you haven't already, would you consider a designated place or designated space in your house or your porch or your backyard to create a sacred space for you to meet with God.
There's nothing special about the space other than it's a designated place. Mm -hmm. And when you designate a place and time to be with God and you put it on the calendar and come hell or high water, nothing gets in the way of it, Mm -hmm. right? Nothing's going to change it. You're going to meet with God. And you're going to say, this is the time I'm going to meet with God. If you do that and expect God to move in your life, I really believe he's going to begin to move in ways that you've never expected. And we're going to talk a lot more about that in our next podcast, and it's going to be incredible. Just a little heads up. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, as always, give us a rating wherever you listen and share it with a friend. Text them right now and send them the link. Appreciate you joining us. Can't wait till next time. Until then, bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Take a moment to subscribe and share this podcast. You can receive more free resources to help you make disciples in your home, group, or church by clicking the link in the show notes or visiting our website at replicate.org.